Right, so last week we had just we were focusing on our chizda. This week, when I have um, no longer connect to shores, but uh, we we have a gemara that I had it in my notes to do already some time ago. So I figure we'll do it today. The gemara tells us like this: Amar of Nachum by Yitzchak, Meider Rav Huna, Meider Rav Yeshua, the Reichlin Hamatzim by Yoros, the Motzi Ma'akev. We're talking here about a situation where we have a rifle, um, a, a merchant, like a peddler. He's coming for to town. We allow him to sell his merchandise. What's the issue with the peddlers coming to town? I think the word in English is an inerrant peddler. What does that word mean, inerrant peddler? It means he comes from place to place. He doesn't have a set. He doesn't have a storefront. He's coming on his... On his uh, Making a rounds, making a circuit, he's coming by. So Nachman Yitzchak says that Avuna Beder of Yeshua is Maida, and when it comes to Reichlan Matzim Bayaris, Dilei Matzimak, they not let us stop them from selling their wares. What's a rifle? Is a peddler, but this peddler we're talking about is a specific type of peddler. Somebody who peddles uh, perfumes and ointments and things like that that women use to beautify themselves. Why is that that no one's allowed to stop? And why would you think that you have the right to stop the guy? Because of right, the situation of Leisasek, right? Leisasek bull. You're not supposed to go and take somebody else's livelihood. If somebody else, if somebody has set up shop and he has a business and he has a storefront and you come and set up shop right next door and you make your thing, you know, five cents cheaper, you're taking away the guy's business. So the idea is to be able to keep things fair you're not supposed to go. That's supposed to come along and take somebody's parnasa um, by going and setting up shop next to him. So that would be normally the baseline case. When it comes to rifling, when it comes to situations of selling uh, beauty products for women, that's a special exception to the rule. Why is that? There's a special dispensation. Ezra made a takana. Ezra's takana was that he wanted um, to have these peddlers who are selling women's beauty products be able to come through and that the Jewish women should be able to beautify themselves and have it readily available. So therefore, he made this as a takana. So therefore, since this is the kind of that Rechel is supposed to come into town, so therefore there's no issue of Leisasa. Even though normally there would be an issue of Leisasa, you can't just walk into my town and take away my business. When it comes to selling certain products, that's a hatter. There are more rights that that's specifically about, you know, products of the summit, specifically about these kind of perfumes and ointments of that sort. You know, he didn't write about makeup, but presumably it would all fit into the same idea. But Another kind of a product that wouldn't be that exception. So the the Gemara says, There's no heter to set up shop. There's no heter to actually set up shop. In other words, to pass on through, you're making a circuit. So that's not a problem. You can make a circuit if you're selling beauty products. But if you're not um, interested in just making a circuit, you want to actually put it on your storefront, Make a nice sign and say, I'm setting up shop. That's not allowed. Again, you have in the gradations of you have the lava. You can now come and take with somebody's parnasa. 
there's a there's a what do you call it? there's an exception for that for Reichlin. Why is it exception for Reichlin? Because as we that there should be readily available beauty products for women. But that exception is only la hadure. That exception is only for somebody to be passing on through. It's not an exception for somebody to set up a shop to actually put in uh, your own storefront. That's not okay. So that's that's um, sort of part one in the, in the Gemara. But the Gemara has a further caveat, a further qualification. And what's that further caveat? But if it's a rabbi, then he's even allowed to set up shop. That is, a rabbi is allowed to set up shop, whereas a regular person is not. A regular person comes to town and he wants to you know, be selling his perfumery. We say to the guy, no problem. You have, you have uh, you know, like on the milk. You have your date that you lose your freshness. You have to leave. You could just be here for a certain period of time. But a Tama Pacham, he's allowed to come into the town and he's even allowed to set up shop. Why is a Tama Pacham allowed to set up shop? Says Rashi. He's allowed to even set up shop to Tar because he's too busy learning. It's not normal to run around to go from town to town to sell. It's not a normal thing. He has to learn. That's his job. So I feel like if we allow him to set up shop, what do we see without getting into more detail than what we'll get to, but what, what do we see from here? We see again the situation that we have a Taikana, based Taikana from Ezra, and we have a Lava in the Torah. How do we make the Lava in the Torah work with Ezra's Taikana? We make a sort of a sharp between them, a compromise. It's true, like, there is like Sasek, but we're going we're gonna to qualify that. We're going to qualify the Lama of Loisasek and say it doesn't apply to the situation of Ezra Stakana. Ezra Stakana is that the Rechlin should be able to come through the town so that it should be Takshit and Nash should be Mitsuyan. So therefore, we're going to allow the Rechlin to come to town. But there is Loisasek. It's not going away. You can't set up shop. You can pass on through. As the Ramah points out, you want to come to the town and sell other things. Like we had a guy when I was growing up. I remember he came to, to the house every year. He would sell tapes, Jewish tapes. Right? You can go to the farm store and go buy the tapes. Maybe knock on your door every year we come by. This was Parnas. And I remember she had a suitcase of tapes. And that's what if he made a Parnas on this, it's hard to imagine. I'm sure there was a decent markup that he didn't have to go to the store and come back. But I don't know how much of Parnas you can make from selling tapes. And then I heard later, I heard of Bushwas, my, my sister was here. She said, yeah, later on, he came in, he was selling CDs. You know, when the CDs was the, was the thing, it was no more tapes. I still have a CD player in my car. So for me, a CD is still a normal thing, but I'm told that the new cars don't even have a CD player. So I don't know what he sells now. I'm not sure. But the point is, is that that person, if there was a, a bookstore or whatever, a store which was selling the tapes or selling the CDs, he wouldn't be allowed to come in. That is no heter. Only a heter to sell makeup. So well, he, he said he's, the Ramah used the word besamit, but I, which is perfume. But I assume he means makeup, perfume, and it will fill into this part of Ezra's Taikana. Fine. This, this original issue of Loisasa? Loisasa. No. Is that, is it Derisa? Mm, yes. Across the majority, you can't take with it's not specifically talking about a livelihood there so much as it's talking over there about uh, the boundary lines, about messing around with what people's actual um, uh, 
Yeah, it's, it's like a zone, like what's called adverse possession. We 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 actually may cover one of those gemarks. Um, I didn't cover it on Shuas night. This gemara about Basra talks about different places, different um, the periods of time it would take to like take somebody's land. What happens if somebody, if your neighbor, moves the zoning, move you know, move moves his uh, what he wants to do. Um, uh, uh, yes, but he wants to move the uh, no, it's like a tree, a bush. Yeah. So he moves it, he moves the fence, and those days the fences were the uh, were, 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 were were bushes. It wasn't a picket fence. We have some examples of that. Oh yeah. Oh, so per, so perfect example. So somebody plants a bush on your side, right? And 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 and, and you don't say anything, right? In American law, I think it's twenty years. Am I right? Ten. Ten years, okay. So ten years. Open and notorious. Hmm? Open and notorious. Open and So in ten years, if you had had this adverse possession, where you're making this is my backyard, I just planted all these bushes here. It's all mine, and you make the grass, and it looks like it's your yard. He doesn't say anything. So when you get a survey, you know, twenty years later, whatever, you're going to get a survey. It's going to look like the property line is by the bushes. So it's, it doesn't make sense. The property line doesn't seem right. So the, the, the person who's going to come by the house after the person didn't say anything, he's going to be like, I'm cutting down the bushes. That's when the machalis is going to erupt, right? Because your neighbor was a very quiet person. He was very, you know, not confrontational. So you planted the bushes on his side of the, the boundary. He said nothing, but he sells the house. And the next guy comes in and says, zoning says it's his. So you're like, I have these bushes for 20 years. This is my backyard. And that's when it becomes the issue. It's like you say, the adverse possession. And in the law, I believe, maybe it's 10 years. I always thought it was 20, but in different places, different laws, different countries, different laws. At some point, if you make your, that you're a hack, you're a muxik in this area, it becomes yours. That's the, that's the basic law. That's where it starts. But it's expanded into, into Parnassa issues. Ah, very good. Yeah, I was going to try to pull this part. Um, <laughs> What was the question? Right, so his question is, is does, it, does it apply to religious issues? 100% a good question. Um, the, the truth is they talk about this. Uh, so the basic, the basic understanding was the takeaway from the Gemara from the Rishon is that there's no Lysasik when it comes to Talmud Torah. Now when it comes to Talmud Torah, there's, there shouldn't be Lysasik. Anybody who wants to learn can learn. Uh, teach, you can teach, everybody can do whatever they want. That was the, that was the sort of the thesis for many years. But as the rabbinate became effectively a monetary institution that sustains the people who are part of it, Loisastic became a piece of that as well. So, for example, Sam Sefer writes in the Tshuva, Sam Sefer writes that a Rav today is just Poil Mamish. That, that, that a rabbi today is just a worker, right? He's just a worker. And, yeah, and he writes today, I was going to send you, it's unbelievable. Send send. Send. Huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what we will get to is this, uh, is the mission about the Karnam Lachma making a Torah into a, uh, into a basis of, of, uh, of, of, of your means. Um, not for today, but but just to go on your point, so some separates when a rav is a pearl mamish, if he's just a worker, so less acid should apply. So he says, and we have today, what does the rabbi do? 
sustain himself by having a job as the rabbi. He gets a, he gets money for a kedushin. He gets money for songs. He gets money for kids. He gets money for levias, brises, whatever he does. He gets a, you know they always give an honorarium. And Habit Asai was never enough to live on something to be grabbed by a house. But then all of that stuff, you take it together. So he's a worker. Now you're coming and setting up shop, you're opening up a competing institution. You say, I'm the rabbi, I want to be a rabbi in the town of two. That's 100% licensing. So Samsev wants to make a distinction between the way it was and, and the way it was in his day, which already for a few hundred years, that's part of what I want to get to in this topic is the switchover from the days of the Rishonim, when there wasn't an official town rabbi, there was no rabbi salary, to what it is already at the time, with some Shefer fully enmeshed, but it already started a couple of hundred years before, we have the town rabbi. And he gets paid, he gets his salary, and there's 100% you're gonna set up a competing institution in the town, it's illegal. And, and there were problems like that, where you would have rabbis who would walk into another town and, and you know, innocently, um, you know, with quotation marks, to try to set up a competing shop. The question then becomes, does that apply in America today? Right. Also in terms of the density of the population. Correct. So yeah. the density of the population doesn't apply in a place like America where it's a free fall. Right? America is not, I don't know anywhere in Europe if it's still like this. We have like an official, I don't, I don't think so. We have like an official, um, you know, town rabbi that maybe the chief rabbi, I don't know if that's, that's, that's country. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know who pays the salary of that. I'm not sure. In England, they have like United Synagogue. I think the United Synagogue pays the salary of the chief rabbi. I don't know exactly, but in America, it's like a free for all. There's no, there, there was a rabbi, you know, everybody heard of him, and now it becomes popular that they go to his cave around uh, on his yard table, the Yaakov Yosef, Jacob Joseph, RJJ school. And he was like uh, a rabbi in America. They, they, they brought him and they wanted to have like a, a big name in America. And they were trying to get America off the ground to have a, a big rabbi. To, make all the fractious um, fighting that was going on among the various different um, groups of Jews. Um, so they brought in this guy who was from Vilna. He was the Magan in Vilna, he was like a, you know, a, a big name. And they brought him to be the rabbi. It was a failure. It was an utter and abject failure. And, and Mamish, who died, um, uh, he died by my nefesh, he died very bitter. It was not easy in the few years that he was here didn't get much done. He tried to get the butchers in line. He tried to get the nothing. Mom's exploding like crazy everywhere. And his Leviathan was so massively attended. People like when he was dead, then they appreciated what they had lost. But when he was alive, no one gave him two weeks. But uh, I believe they said it was like 20,000 people in his life. Imagine they, in the 1900s, it was like 20,000 people. It was like huge Leviathan. And like, they were, they were, they were, it was like, um, when they call when they have all these people and there was like a, a rush, people could, you know, like a stampede, like Mamish rocks, like Mamish was like a, a, a difficult situation that was caused by his death. But when he was alive, he had tried to uh, style himself as the chief rabbi of New York, but there was like 10 other chief rabbis in New York. So they had brought him in to be the chief rabbi, right, because he was such a big name. And he's coming from Vilna, he's a Magan, they're trying to make him the chief rabbi of New York, but it was like, you know, it was so many other chief rabbis, you know, who said he's, that was the last time I believe that somebody tried to become the chief rabbi. At that time, there's a chief rabbi of Shea, there's a chief rabbi of Union City, there's a chief rabbi of Bayonne, there's a chief rabbi of Union City, there's a chief rabbi of, there was chief rabbis throughout New Jersey, every town had a chief rabbi, and they saw him. So if you look at their letters, 
they call themselves the Rav Rashi, the Rav of this area. They, they do that. They 100% do that. And, and you can see that in all the letters. Rabbi Yaakov Yosef was, was brought in to become the chief rabbi in New York. And it was um, not accepted by many, many other, other self-styled chief rabbis. Who said he was the chief rabbi? Even the Bishop understand that they had a good plan. That they were? They were. And the Pope? Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert. I've heard so, you know, you're not allowed, no one's allowed in, right? It's like uh, yeah. how that process works is also probably somewhat to salt it. What's your in that circle? Just like the unique that's correct. That's correct. Right. So my co- I have a cousin who's the hype shleach in Brazil, which means he's the number one shleach in Brazil. He's the first one sent by the rabbi. So um, everybody who wants to open up shop in Brazil has to come through him. But he says, okay, I need somebody in the Amazon. I need somebody in Rio. I need somebody here. But you can't just like he only he you know he runs San Paulo, right? Because he's he's. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know the details of how it works, but there's no way that you can come in and say, look, I'm going to open up shop without closing in first. In fact, there's a, there was a case right in Washington, D.C., where you can look it up. You see, there was a like I said, you know, between two competing, uh, you know, they each have a, a say in the area of D.C. And uh, those problems, I think there's still our problems. So yeah, these things happen at Blaise uh, Sasa. Uh, not details of that. Again, we can we can take a very negative view. Of, <laughs> we can take a very negative view. That's but there's, there's there's serious issues about that. Even if it's not like Sasi issues. So in other words, for example, Mars tell us about different rabbis who wouldn't do anything before the other rabbi um, you know, was asked or if, if the other rabbi was alive, they wouldn't say anything. So for example, right, it started about from the beginning of Medrash. We're jumping from topic to topic. We'll come back to that in just one second. So just again, you asked, on the Lysasig relation to Torah, is there a Lysasig? The answer is, according to some Achrenim, there is today. The black letter law would seem to have not accepted it as a basic proposition that there would be like Sasig and Torah would seem to be absolutely not. Like I said, today's circumstances is different. Whether or not those today's circumstances apply in America, which is a free for all kind of place, I, th- I, I think makes a difference probably where you are. If you're thinking about like, you know, Kenosha, Wisconsin, it's probably different than New York City. The New York metro area is probably very different than Kenosha, Wisconsin. Kenosha, Wisconsin, you know, one guy who set up shop to be a rabbi and he's doing a whole business there as, his, uh, as the rabbi of this area. And you have another guy who's going to open up shop. He's probably, I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm in but the Tversky's in Milwaukee. It's not like I'm, I'm saying Kenosha, Wisconsin. I don't even know. I don't know how far Kenosha is from Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I assume it's a number of shuls, but I'm saying Kenosha. I don't know. I don't think that's probably too many. Right. So, but so I think in America, you'd have to say probably, you know, 
splits out also into the time. But already back 100 years ago, when they tried to make a, a Loisasig, a communal uh, agreement that this was a chief rabbi, it was rejected at a hand. And the community was a fraction of the size of what it is today. I think all the other issues that name the guys in town were thinking that the was the same position, the same town. That's all we're talking about. Sure, sure. So I'm saying if you look today, it's still. Oh, they you, have to you, 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 is not or Lakewood is still maybe not the same as New York City, right? Mm -hmm. New York City is um, sort of a very between the so massive. There's so many competing things going on at all times. It doesn't have the cohesiveness of the community. But maybe you know, say Clifton or Lakewood is a different story. This is not for topics for now, but that's just some of the basics. You asked about the point about the fact that it seems that like Sasig today, it's really just a monetary issue. I think it's fair to say that uh, if you look at certain, you know, the Hasidic sects that have had splits over the last number of years, the fundamental raging issue has not been the approach in Torah or the approach in Halacha, but more, um, you know, more desultory kind of uh, issues. And that's unfortunate, but that's human nature. Human nature hasn't changed a iota over the last few thousand years. Um, was there another? Subtopic that we were touching on, I don't remember. Okay, so let's move on. So the Gemara said that when it comes to the Torah Marabonim, he's allowed to not only come through and sell his wares, but he's even allowed to set up shop. Right? He's even allowed to set up shop in, in, in the town. So the Gemara said, because of the fact that the, the rabbi, that's, he's not normal for him to go running around and selling things like, you know, you should, we want to help him. Right. Remember, we talked before about the Gemara that said that for Talmud Chacham, you're supposed to help make his parnasa. You're supposed to assist him in his livelihood. You're not supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, um, making it more hard for him. You're supposed to make it mamish easier for him. Buy his wares first. Make it easier for him to be, to be able to go back to learn. So the Gemara says, Ki ha de rava shor lulu rabbi yishayel rabavadya la agbuye de loike hil so Rabbi Yeshia and Rabbi Vadya, they they uh, they were they were Reichlin, they were merchants, and Rava permitted them to set up shop. not according to the halacha. So what do I? Why did I bring on this command about Vasa? The first point was to show that it was an exception for rabbis learning, but the real fun meaning. But the the real reason I wanted was to hit on these two rabbis. Right, and Raja, they had a business. What was their business? They were Reichland. So Rava allowed them to set up shop, the like Yelkasam. This word, the like is not so simple because what did we just say before? Huh? That's a Marabona is allowed to set up shop. So why is it like Yelkasam? That's my problem with this Kumar. Rashi says, like Yelkasam means that's what Nimashura said then. Why is what Nimashura said then? It's not, it's not very clear to me. Um, it could be that Rebbeisha and Bavadya were, you know, were not what he called. It could be that they were not um, uh, selling perfumes. In other words, maybe, maybe uh, Rebbeisha and Bavadya were, were uh, um, you know, selling other wares and they let them set up shops like the other stuff. Maybe they were just 
No, these are owned by them. This is not. It's no. Yeah, no. This is hundred percent owned by them. So it's not. It's not hundred percent clear to me what it means that why did he let them set up shop? Right? Because we know that if we're talking about rifling, they have the right to come through, but not to set up shop. But if we're talking about them, they can set up shop. And then we have a Rishi Ravadia that Rav let him set up shop. But he has no word. Shalai Kehilvisa. Why is Shalai Kehilvisa? We just said that that's the halacha. Why is Rav saying that that's the glimmer said that? So I think. One possible answer is you could say, okay, well, maybe they weren't selling the perfume only. Maybe, maybe they had perfume and other things. Or maybe they were, you know, you know when you were a kid growing up, when I was a kid growing up, you had, you know, the 99 cent store, right? And you walk into the store and you see 99 cents. Yes, a lot of things were 99 cents. But a lot of things were more than 99 cents. And if you went outside the store, you looked at the sign, it said 99 cents and up in little tiny letters. It was and <laughs> up, right? Okay, and up. So perfumes and, you know, plus, right? So it could be, that's what it means. That's what it means. It's not 100% clear to me that this line is uh, is easy to understand. But what we get out of it is Abisha Ravadja, right? These were Amar Ron, who were merchants, they were peddlers. Oh, I was wondering if we're going to get into that. Okay. So, no, no, they had the pillow. Right, what you're asking about is the mission of the end of the right? The mission that says it's not recommended. Well, remember, we had so just two things. So, one is the mission that says in Saka, right? And then mission and condition says at the end, right? That it's not an advice. Any mischer, any profession that is being anashim is not advised. It's meant, you're meant not to do that. And that's one reason why you're not allowed to have a ravak. You're not allowed to have somebody who's not married be a, um, a teacher of, of little boys, right? You're not allowed to have a bit of to make it. Why is that? Because the ladies are going to come pick up the children from school. And they're going to come pick up the children from school. It could be issues that result. So these are the kinds of sensitivity that the rabbis had. And he would say, being a profession where you're selling perfume for women, this is not a very smart thing to do, right? This is a fair point. And it's certainly not, and, and, and not consistent with the way we would understand the ideal from the Mishnah that a person not, should not be having a misgabin on us. That's number one. Number two, we did have, um, Gemaras, for example, we had a Gemara Masachim. We had um, two rabbis, if you recall. Uh, the Gemara said, what did they do? They were sandal makers, right? And where were they making the sandals? In the shuk of the Zenos. And they never picked up their eyes. And it was like, what? what, is, what, what unbelievable. Right? The Zenos would say about them, these, these, these men are just amazing, right? That's the Gemara said. See? You say to yourself, okay, well, how do I put all these things together? Number one, I don't have to, right? Could just be as a matter of poverty, this is what was available, this was the profession that was needed. So that's what they got into. That's a possibility. There is a second one, which is I'm not saying this in the Kashashom anyway, there's a passion on the Mishnah, 
But it is something that I do wonder about, I do think about. Just where is it, what's more preferable? To have a huge tamafak when he's a guy selling the perfume? Or I don't know, I don't know who else might sell it, but the, or, or, or maybe some other, maybe it's sort of an anti Yehudi or maybe some sort of a not appropriate types. I would imagine it's not the most simple kind of conversations that you have about these kind of products. But perhaps it's the best, you know, to have somebody who is a bucky in halakha, who's a person who's malumid in midas and is a, you know, a nice person. If that person feels he's on that level, maybe that's a better person to sell. I'm saying maybe maybe it's a better person. I'm not saying that that was the cash, but I'm just saying maybe that's a better person to sell to. Yeah? All right. So anyhow, what we have from this Gemara is Rabbi and Rabbi they were um, merchants. Um, my time, I came to Because they were from rabbis, they didn't want them to lose their learning uh, time to have to go running around from city to city to go sell things. So therefore, they let them set up shop here. And um, they were uh, they were able to set up a shop. All right. The uh, the next bit of Gemara is is um, literally right here. We skip a few lines in the Gemara. The Gemara tells us an unbelievable story. The Gemara says, "Rabdimi Minerda." So Rabdimi from Nerda, meaning there are two different Rabdimi. This is Rabdimi from Nerda. I see. Uh, he came on a boat and he was carrying dried figs. He was coming to sell his dried figs. So he came to Bavo and he wants to sell his dried figs. So what, what do we get from this Kumar? The Rabdimi from Nerda, he was in the dried fig business. He came from a ship, he was carrying his dried figs, and he's now going to sell it to weirs in Nerda uh, or wherever it was in Bavo that he, that he came. He's from Nerda. Okay, so Amalevish Galusula Rava probably wasn't there, though, because they would have known him. But wherever he was in Bava, Amalevish Galusula Rava, so the Rish Galusa, right? The Rish Galusa is the exilarch. He's the one who runs the, the community. Right? He's the 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 conduit to the king. Right? He's the head of the Jewish community. So Amalevish Galusa. In fact, the rabbis seem to think they descend like the Rish Galusa is descended from David. Right? That's how important they were. Amalevish Galusa Rava put Kazi and Sivim Arabanu. So the Reish Galusa says to Rabbi, hey, listen, Rabbi, go check out and see if this guy's going to become a papa. See if he's a rabbi. Why is that? If he's coming to sell dried figs, not coming to sell the stuff in here, coming to sell dried figs, we want to know if we should be letting him do this. Now, let's just think of how this fits with the Gemara before, right? How does this fit with the Gemara? The Gemara, this is what I told us, that what? And if you're coming to set up shop, that's a problem of like that. If you're coming with perfume, then when we're not going to let you set up shop, we'll let you walk through. But if you're a rabbi, then we'll let you set up shop. So even from there, does coming in, he's not selling dried figs. He's not selling perfume. He's selling dried figs. So if you're selling dried figs, then what's your head there? If you're a rabbi, then it's no problem. You can come. You can come through the town. But we're not letting you set up shop. Rabbi, we're going to let you come through the town. Um, so, so, um, so the question is, what is, is he a rabbi or not? But remember, in the Gezerah that we had before, the Gezerah was about perfume, right? It wasn't about, right? Normally, what we said is, does he have a problem with like you're not coming in? But if it, if perfume, man, except you're allowed to, you know, do a drive by. 
You're a rabbi, you're allowed to set up shop. This is not fake. I'm sorry, this is not perfume. This is figs. Figs wasn't discussed before. Figs should be a problem of what? Of loisassing. So what do we see from this Gemara? Some of want to point out, what do we see from this Gemara? And maybe it's not just perfume. In other words, the Ramah had written that what is the specific exception was by Basamah. But maybe in this Gemara, we see from Rabdimi that he's coming in with figs and he wants to sell his figs. Where's figs coming in as part of the exception? Figs not perfume. So if you're a Tom Cochran, they're going to let you sell the figs. Maybe that's, maybe that's a further um, um, expansion for a Tom Cochran. That is to say, we push Lysasic back down, but Tom Cochran, we don't just let him set up shop by perfume. But even by non-perfumes, we come and let him and, 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 you know, sell his weird. Right. So Ravdimi from there, duh, comes with his dry figs, which says, go see if he's a rabbi. So, so if he, if he is, in fact, then we're going to let him sell his wares, we're going to let him set up shop. And um, uh, the way Rashi puts it is, we're going to let him set up shop. We're going to make a, an announcement. We're going to tell everybody else no one's selling any dry fish except for him. We're going to let him do it. Right, remember how we always say that the mitzvah, to help a Tamakakim do his business, so you help. That's why you always buy his wares first. That's what this is fitting into. The question again comes in if he's, if he's uh, going to be Ivan Lestasic, are there other fake sellers? Why are we now going to knock out their Parnassah? The answer is we must be making an exception for Servamarabana that Lestasic gets further um, lower down. So, in other words, this is a further expansion from what we saw before. What we saw before was just in relation to perfume, but it's clear that it applies wider than that. So the question is from the Ramah. The Ramah seems to limit to the sum. How does that work? And that's, again, a topic not for right now. So, so that was, so, that, so, that, so that's the beginning part of the story. So Amalei Rav, the Rav is not going to go check out to see if the guy has a big time of or not. So Rav says to Ravada Bar Abba, Rav says to somebody else, Ravada Bar Abba, go knock on his job. In other words, go, go check out to see his brain, see if there's something in there. Go see if he's a real Tamakakim or not. So Nafak, Azul, Boimine, he found him. So Adabar Abba finds Rabdimu from Neridon. And he says, Pil Shabalak, Fifi Mitzvah, Vekir, Derech Besarei, Maha. What's the din if an elephant swallows the Fifi Mitzvah, some sort of an Egyptian basket, and he spits it out, but not from the mouth, comes out from the backside? So what's the din in terms of Tamay and Tar? That's the question. So the, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin that when you wanted to decide if somebody's going to be a member of the Sanhedrin, you have to check them out in a number of ways. Right? It had to be you check them out in terms of their ability to speak languages, how many languages they need. You had to see how learned they were. One of the things you had to see was they had to know um, Kishuk, they had to know magic, they had to know all the magic. Uh, Theses that existed at the time. One of the things he had to also test them was that could they be Mitahara Sharon? The Lord says, This is far from being wealthy and tall and good looking. Like, those are all the qualifications to become a member of the Sanhedrin. So the Lord says, They had to also be able to Mitahara Sharon. 
which is against the Torah, a law. The Torah says that Sharat is Tamei, and after asking Aaron and Tam. The Torah asks the Rabbi Tam, is what I need is Tilpo Shel Hevel. I don't have to have all this like incredible, like Tilpoistic abilities, but what? This is all stupidity. It's not Hamacham. Tzadik gives the answer that he gives. That's not for right now. But this is the question he asked him. He asked him about a, an elephant that swallows an Egyptian basket and spits it out number two. Like what's the dinner? This is what I. This is the. This is how you're going to decide the guy's Hamacham. The Tzadik here, Rabbi Tam also asked him here. He doesn't say Tilpo Shel Hevel. Tzadik has a better. A blonde, to me, a blonde question, right? You'd say, you say, you check the guy on Mishpah Nazar, and Zara Chaim you ask the guy, Mom, it's a random Timotar question. That's the, it's a Bashle Ishita. That Gemara that discusses this question doesn't have an answer. So how could you answer asking the question? It's a, it's a trick. There's no answer. So, so, Tess says what he should have answered is that there's no answer. The question, and and but the fact that he didn't know anything about the tzigah shows he wasn't learned enough. But it reminds me of a joke that when I, I, I I'll tell you two two stories. I think I mentioned one of them. Once. Um, there's, a, there's a third story that uh, I sometimes forget because I already mentioned. Of I'm not mentioned. That's one when I got for with my father uh, he passed away, but my grandfather, my wife's grandfather. There was a thing back in the day, they always got married. My father told the story. He had a friend in Yeshiva who was a mamish, like, what do they call it? Dhamma's a doorknob, right? Mamish, like, he had the opposite of an eyes and a cup. It was like nothing would go in all Yeshiva, all the years, zero. He said the way it would work in Yeshiva was the, 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 the Bina Rabba, the, the big rabbi, the Yeshiva, he would come along and he asked questions, he gave prayers all the time. If you didn't know, he would, he would give you a patch, which matched your hat. So this guy, every week he's got his hat matched, he got patches, like, mom, you know, today they would say it's abuse, you know, all types of props, you know, abuse for sure. But this is what happened, this was his life. Mom, she's done with And um, the Vinara felt very bad, like, you know, he's not going to get a shit up. There's a guy, and then the future perspective, following him, sitting him down, going to say, he established his family. He himself, like the great and he would learn a black demolition, like so good that he knew his blood. Mamash knew his blood. So it's the only blood he knew in the whole shop. He knew something else. That's what he sent him on a dating life. Wouldn't you know that the girl that he married, the guy opened up this tomorrow and he asked him on the spot. He was able to answer. I don't know, behind the scenes, you want to make a joke. I don't hope it's kind of like, oh, this is wonderful. Maybe he thought before I'm asking him. Who knows? I don't know. But he asked him on this block. And that's how the shit has happened. But it's a better story, or the one that, you know, is more near and dear to my heart. There's another Ninkin poop, another guy who's not much. What am I? Mamish nothing. He comes to my house, uh, goes to perspective. In this story, my father said that even though he couldn't learn, this person was very successful in life financially, like he could figure out how to take money out of a tree. Like the guy was amazing at anything else, but he's not learning. Everyone has their talent. But there's other stories. This is a, you know, I, maybe it's a common trope. I'm not sure, but it's a, a classic. The guy coming to the date, you know, the father said, 
All right, then this story, this is, a, this is an old story, but it has a very modern feel. Because instead of the father asking the boy, tell me what you're learning, and stop by hearing him on tomorrow, here the father tells him to stick with her. Like the father was selling himself. He says, I'm stick with her. And the boy says, and then the boy says, I should prepare. And then maybe the other way. You're right, you're right, you're right. And then he's like going over again. Like he makes the guy, you know, like, and he tends to, you know, the, the other side of it. And like, what the next thing? <laughs> like this goes on for like an hour. Right? So in that case also, it good should have happened, but the truth is, the guy had no idea. He just can't say that classic answer, which is, somebody asks you a question, I'll walk on. You're probably going to figure out a way. If this man would have just said, he would have been okay. So, and he didn't. He didn't say anything about it. He didn't know the question about the elephant. So he said, you're not a big time. And, um, and therefore, you're not going, not going to give you the place to sell. So, um, so they have about it. He didn't have a good answer question about the elephant. I'm like, Mar Neil Rabba. So Rabbi from Nerda said to Rabba Barabba, you're you're obviously a serious guy. You really know your stuff. Are you Rabba? Like, you know? So so Rabada Barabba was Papak Lebisandale. Rabada Barabba starts slapping him on his shoes and says, Omale bin Didila Rava Ikatuba Mil Al Karfakana Rabha. The Rava Rabba the Rabba says Listen, between me and you, there's a huge gap, as there is a gap between me and Rava. So um, you should know I'm your Rabbi. And Rava's my Rabbi, so he's your Rabbi's Rabbi. So that's, uh, that's, how, we, uh, that's how we responded to this Rabbi Mishnah. They didn't let him have his ability to sell the, the, uh, the dried figs. And plus the gargoyles today. They lost him. They weren't able to sell him. It spoiled, it rotted, and he was uh, done for. His whole weird that he came on the ship with, he lost it. He comes in front of Rabbi Yitzhak. So Rabbi Yitzhak, who was a businessman, right? He was a, he was a learned guy. He was a business person. He was trying to make a living. He wasn't to make a living. He comes to Rabbi Yitzhak and he complains. And says, look what they treated me. Look how they dealt with me. The entity, who was not uh, okay with the mistreatment of the king of Edom, he shouldn't be okay with your mistreatment, your, with your embarrassment. It's a weird kind of a, you know, extrapolation. Yeah, that's what you have to bring down. Akarjbahu, who was worried about the embarrassment of the king of Edom, this is what he should be worried about your embarrassment. Like you couldn't find any other examples of embarrassment. This is what we have to run to. I don't know why. Not, I haven't looked it up, but I, I'm not sure why uh, why it's necessary to go there. But this is what the Prophet said. On the three sins of Mayav, on the fourth, I'm not going to answer. Over there, there's a whole series of these kinds of Koyomar. Many different nations. 
So we're picking this one from Edom, and the Pasuk says that I'll serve for What happened was is that the Mayak, when they were in a war with Edom, took the king's bones and they 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 crushed them up and they ended up putting them in like in the in the paint and the lye that they put in their in the house. So so um so it was such a humiliation that Hashem responded to the, the humiliation of the king of Edom. So therefore, says Rabbi Yisuf, Hashem should respond to your humiliation. What happens in the Gemara? The person who asked Makasha about the elephant, the Rabbi of Nerida, he died. And then what follows in this Gemara is an unbelievable self-flagellation. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yisuf, I caused him to die because I cursed him. Because I said that whoever uh, you know took care of the humiliation of the king of Adam should take care of your humiliation. So I cursed him. So therefore, Rabbi Rabbi died. Said, I cursed him because I was very unhappy with my mistreatment. In fact, I didn't know this incredibly obtuse question about the elephant. And, and so I was angry at him. So therefore, I caused him to die. Abaya says, I caused him to die. Now, what's your question? We haven't had yet Abaya in this story in the Gemara, so where's Abaya coming in to say anything? So Abaya says, I also said something negative. And here we have an unbelievable line. The Gemara says that Abaya said that I also was angry at him because would say to the rabbis, the Gemara said, to actually bisur shmeina and beirava, why are you chewing up the dried bones in Abaya shear? Abaya is boring. He's always like telling you shear of very cool, and very you know dissertations. It's like you know you have to learn thesis. It's not juicy. It doesn't give you chakiras. Yeah, you should go learn to go eat the fat meat by rava shear. When I was in high school, I remember. Now people got into this question: What's the appropriate way to learn to learn? Right, and the appropriate way to learn Gemara, um, in the way they were doing in the old days. I remember because I had a great great uncle who would, would try hear me every time uh, he would come to my house. He, he was a person who I, you know, from Chaim, Chaim Leizer, from from you know back in New York City people, and um, he uh, would every time from there. It was the same kind of thing like my father, you know, the great my grandfather's grandfather's story where you know you have to get it wrong. If you don't get it wrong, they'll just keep on annoying, you know. They have to feel like they're right. So we always ask questions. And when you say you didn't know, ah, I'm all right, you don't learn it. Fine. Okay, but he would still give me like uh, a quarter or a half hour. And he gave me about five years old, five years old. It was fine. He gave me a 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old. It was like, okay, that's what you think. But that's what he carried around in half hour. But I remember you would say, he would love to ask, he knew a lot. He was very holding a lot of this. Um, and the favorite question we ask is the rush. What does the rush say about this? What does the rush say about that? I, I didn't know the rush. I, you know, I didn't study the rush. He always said, You have to study. The Marshall said this rush. That's how he studied. And that's what was the minute to study the minute. And when he was growing up, that's how they studied. And she was there to be in high school at all. They would barely study at a fast pace. They would go very slow. And there was something she was in Israel that tried to really to get back to fast pace. And I think by and large, not very successfully. But they tried. There's a few issues that they learned very quickly. 
most places it's slowed down, which is 20, 30 baht a year. That's like considered fast. But back in the day, like the yeshiva that I went to, the Mary Shiva, the rabbi there, Rabbi Shavieli, one of many members, but he, he was known as going fast. But he would do, in the winter, about 30 plus months. But he would always say, I'm going to a school with my father, and he gave a share of nothing. The summer, he would get a share with 60 bucks in the winter. And my great granddaughter would always say, Yeah, you want a lot of that? Not because of Dr. Yang, you want a lot of that. That's what they did in Village. Yeah, but they, 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 they went to a whole son. You were in the Native Shear, not in the Frisco. You went to the Native Shear, that's how they did it. You go through a whole son, and every day you learn. Marsha said, This rush. That's how they learned. So, Rabaya, he gave a share. It was a dry share, wasn't juicy. In the high school I went to, they didn't learn like this. They learned maybe the winter was about 10 blocks, which was about very little. And people were complaining why they were so slow. Um, but they would juice it up. And they juiced it up with chakira. They had every day with chayim, they had the garden bears, they were shimmers. Every day was another chakira. And the way the rabbis explained it was because we live in a generation after the war. We're competing with Weinfeld and friends. And no one's really interested in learning. So we have to juice it up and give you the gishmak of learning in order to get you enticed to learn. If we just gave you the dry, boring, that wouldn't be enough and people would not be learning. That was their thesis. But clearly, there was an idea of juicy learning and not such juicy learning. And rubber gave you meat. He gave you something that you could sink your teeth into. And Rabbi did not. Rabbi gave you Dorabat stomach. You, uh, chewing dry bone. Like, you know, very warm. So Rabbi says, I was angry at him. Because it took people out of my chair. About like plastic, right? About Sarah. He was, I was not happy that people leave his chair to go to Rabbi. He felt, you know, he felt my father Rabbi was, um, was what's the, what's the thing? he was uh, proselytizing. He was, he was uh, advertising for his, uh, you know, competition. It wasn't very pleasing. And then the Bar says, Rav Amanon, the Rav says, I'm the one who caused him to die. Right, because remember, Rav is the one who sent out the father Bar on the mission to go check out the, uh, to go knock on his pot, to so see if he has what, 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 what to talk about. The Rav says that the reason I was angry at him was the Chiyava Ozzel Beit Tifo, Mishkalosa, one of Ada Bar Abba, who would only talk good about Rav Ashir, and Tell people he should go to Rav because Rav has good, you know, good content. But he would go to go to the butcher store. Who Rav and the Rav would go to the butcher store. And Rav Shamash was in the store at the same time. So Rav the Rav says, "I should get meat before Rav Shamash." Why? Well, I don't know this to me now because I'm a bigger kanaka than he is. I'm a bigger kanaka than the Shamash, so I should get meat first. So Rav's meat was delayed. Rav wasn't pleased. So even though Ravada Rav was, you know, sort of advertising that Ravi gives a better share than Abaya, he never went to school had an issue with that. So I'm a little, um, so then we haven't Rav Nachman We haven't yet heard anything from Rav Nachman but if you remember at the top of the page, the Gemara will discuss Rav Nachman Yitzchak. Rav Nachman Yitzchak was the one who said that there is a heter for the Reichlands to come in through town and sell their weirds. That's not an issue of Leisatik, because of Ezra's Takama, that there should be uh, the Bissamim should be mostly for the woman. So Rav Nachman says, no, I'm, I'm the one guilty of causing him to die. Rav Nachman raised collar. Rav Nachman used to give a shir, a public, a public lecture. The Havikoyim Akami Danella Kalb, before he would go and give the public lecture, Marit Bahadir Vadabar Abla Shabbat. 
Ravada Rabba would come and review the lecture with him. So he would be able to go over what he's going to say. Ravada Rabba would tell him, good, not to question him, whatever, to make sure he had it clear before he went to go give the shir. The other ayah of Kala, then that he would go out and give the public lecture. One day that he died, Rav Papa and Rav Huna, Reja Vishua, they, they stopped um, Rav in the street on his way to Nachma Yitzchak, and they, because they weren't in the Shir by Rava, and they started asking, what did Rava say about Maitre Behema, like this, like that, they started asking Kasha, <coughs> what did Rava say? everything they missed in the getting annoyed, getting late. Whereas, where's the Rabbi So, the So, the Rabbi said to the people who were sitting by Rabbi Nachman said, You have to go give the shear. I'm waiting for the beer, I'm waiting for the the coffin of Rav, uh, I'm waiting for the coffin of uh, Rav Adam because he never misses. He's never missed. You know, we go over to Shir every day. If he's not here, it must be he's dead. So the Hawking offered Colin the Nerf National Rav Adam But back that day, it was the day he died. They weren't concluded. The somebody weren't concluded. The Mestavad of Nachman Yitzchak, probably of Nachman Yitzchak, is the one who's responsible for killing him. Christ says, this is a weird Gemara. All these rabbis are ever saying they're responsible for killing him. Everyone's fighting about who's the one guilty. What is going on here? So Christ says, listen, call me Shechaveri Nenashal Yadena Chisim Eshashra Gadish Gorgon. That anybody whose friend dies because of them, they don't come into the Mechitz of Akadish Gorgon. They don't, are not allowed up into heaven. So I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted by this person. So Tesha says anybody who, who causes their friends to die is not going to speak with the first They're all fighting to find out what. If they're the ones who did it, they should come to the Chitra Kadesh Borgo. I think that's missing the point of the Well, this was confused. They're all fighting to make sure everybody else would feel better. They're all saying, it's me. You don't have to worry about it. Because what happened was if Adam Rabba died, and everyone was going to the big time cost money died. He died without his years, he died in a weird way. Everybody's trying to make the other people feel good. This Gemara is a testament to how far each person is willing to go to say about himself. I'm not going to make it to heaven. Don't worry. It's on my account. You're okay. You don't have to self flagellate yourself. All right. We'll stop here. <laughs>